Okay, folks, we're in Acts chapter 16. We're up to Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And so we're going to look here. Now remember, up to this point, they've already had one journey. He and, and Barnabas have had one journey where they went through Asia Minor. Came back, gave the report, had to settle some issues there. And then the dispute broke out between he and Barnabas about bringing Mark with them on their journey. And so now we know that they've gone in opposite directions. We, knew, we still looked at that last week. Uh, Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus. And the last we looked at is Paul took Silas, and they're journeying back through the churches of Asia Minor to uh, basically... Um, check on the churches, and even do more church planting. So notice with me, let's look first of all, we're going to look at the issue of Derby and Lystra. Derby and Lystra. Verses 1 to 5. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren, who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as he went through the cities, they, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Okay, so let's let's continue on here. Let's see what's going on here. First of all, he comes across, this is where Paul meets Timothy. And Timothy, we know from Scripture, is Paul's spiritual son. All right? And so this is where Paul meets Timothy. So when Paul came to Derby and Lystra, he met a disciple, that's a follower of Jesus, named Timothy. So when he came to those twin cities of Derby and Lystra, he met one of the Christian disciples there whose name was Timothy. Now, Timothy is interesting because he was the son of a Jewish Christian woman and a Greek father. So he was Jewish, but not completely Jewish. His father was Greek, his mother was Jewish, so he was a half-Jew. He's ethnically half-Jewish, he's blended. So there's a significance here. Now, what we're going to see is, is that the believers, the Christians in Lystra, spoke well of Timothy to Paul. So he had a good reputation, a good testimony among the believers there in Lystra. And they, the, the believers in Lystra spoke very well of him to the apostle. Now, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him on his journey. Because this guy's got a good reputation, a good testimony, Paul wanted him to travel with him on his journeys through Asia Minor. Okay? On his journeys through Asia Minor. He was wanting him to be a part of the missionary team. Now, you've got to understand, when Paul's traveling, he's not just traveling with Silas. Those are the two that are mentioned. There are probably others who are traveling with them. We know that later on because you'll see Mark say we, excuse me, uh, Luke say we, 
he'll say that there, you know, Luke is part of the group he, and just refers to them as we, we went. So there's more than one companion. He wants Timothy now to join his group as they go and journey. Now, in order to avoid possible conflict with Jews on his journey, he circumcised Timothy. In order to avoid any possible conflicts with Jews on the journey, he circumcised Timothy. All right, now let's stop for a moment. Does anybody think this is kind of, seems like a contradiction here in Paul? Okay, do you hear what Brad said? We just had a whole big dialogue just a chapter ago saying that Gentiles did not need to be circumcised in order to experience salvation. And it seems like, okay, here we are in chapter 16, very first part of chapter 16, he finds a, a guy named Timothy and he circumcises him. So that just almost seems contradictory. It almost seems like, what's going on here? Is this real? What's happening? Okay, how many of you think that's interesting? Okay, all right. Now, why do you think Paul circumcised him? All right. Okay, so that he would be accepted by the Jews. Now, what makes Timothy different than, uh, let's say, Titus, who's who's Greek? Okay, so he's half Jewish and half Greek. Okay, so why do you think that would be an issue? with the Jews as compared to um, just somebody who's flat-out Greek? Why do you think that would be an issue? What's that? Well, yeah, I guess that's the term, but that's usually not a nice term. You know what I'm saying? So. Yes, okay. Go ahead. Well, it's not that he would, I mean, you got a Jewish mom, a Greek dad, I I mean, you're a blend, okay? Okay. Well, they're going to be coming in contact with Jews because the church is primarily made up of Jews, okay? And so here's a guy who has Jewish heritage. It's not the same thing as a pagan Greek who becomes a believer. Do you understand what I'm saying? So his mom was devout. He probably was raised with an understanding of the Torah, understanding of all the things that are Jewish and everything, except for one thing, he hadn't been circumcised. And why might he have not been circumcised yet? Anybody got a clue why that might not have happened yet? Well, it's not just a free culture. Think about who his dad is. Yeah, Greek, okay? So the point I want to see to you is is that parental influence can affect a lot of things. So here's a guy who's got a Jewish mom, Timothy, probably is raised to understand, but probably the most dominant person in that household, which would be culturally except true for that time, is the dad who's a Greek. Now what did the Gentiles think about circumcision? They rejected it. It was like, are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? So that didn't happen. So what's happening here is that you have a guy who's probably been raised in the Jewish understanding of things, but he's not completely a Jew. 
And so Paul's wanting to be sure that he doesn't offend the Jews that they're reaching out with with the gospel, and he makes sure that Timothy is what? Circumcised. It's all for the sake of reaching people for Jesus. Now, he didn't impose that upon somebody like Titus. He didn't impose that on Luke. Do you understand? He's only imposing it on somebody who is already almost Jewish anyhow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who has a Jewish mom and so forth. So in, in order to avoid conflicts with the Jews on the journey, he circumcised Timothy. And the reason why is this, is because everybody knew about Timothy. All the, all the Jews in the area there knew about Timothy. So this, he did this because the Jews in the area knew about Tim, that Timothy's father was a Greek. Now let me just stop for a moment. Does that surprise you a little bit? That the people in the area would know about Timothy, the Jews in the area would know about Timothy? Are you surprised by that? Some of you aren't. Mike, you were kind of shaking your head. Why, why does that surprise you? Yeah. The reason why it doesn't surprise me is this. Okay, we think of terms of large communities, small communities, okay? So I think a good example of that would be like the Amish in our area. How big is the Amish community? Is it really big? No, it's pretty small, okay? Now, do they know each other? Like even between like different groups of them in different areas, do they know of each other? Yeah, they do. Why? Because their community is small. And so you might have one in Indiana County knows some over in Clearfield County. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's small. It's the same thing here. The Jewish community, the majority culture, the majority people group is Greek and Roman. But you have a smaller group within that that are Jewish, and so they're going to be aware of who? They're going to be aware of Jews. And so like when they say, oh, that's Timothy. His mother was so-and-so, and she married that Greek slime ball. Did you know what I'm saying? That, that's kind of like what's going on here. Do you understand? So he would be known. Oh, you're the son of her. But, and she, she did wrong, and, and, and they would view it as wrong. She married that Greek guy. So he did this because the Jews in the area knew that Timothy's father was Greek. So he didn't want to have any more confrontation going on there. No, no, no. Well, in a way, depends. If you're in Judea, yes. When you get further out, there, you pick and choose what you get. You, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Um, that when you're closer to Jerusalem, then they're going to be a little bit more stricter about things. But when you're in the outlying areas where you're scattered abroad, there's a blending that happens with the local communities. And yes... They, they would be upset by that, but they probably wouldn't be as strict about it as they would be back in, in Jerusalem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? you understand? So, all right. As they went through the cities, they instructed the churches. So here's what they did. All right, so setting aside the discussion of Timothy now, making sure that Timothy is going to be acceptable to others, because he is Jewish. He's half Jew, okay? They... Um, 
are going through the area, going through the cities, instructing the churches. That's strengthening the churches, instructing them in things. Now, the basis of their instruction was the decrees of the Jerusalem council. So the text very clearly tells us that what they taught when they went through the churches again this time was what? The decree, the decrees of the Jerusalem council, which was what? That it was, that they didn't have to what? Be circumcised, didn't have to follow the Old Testament law. However, they were to what? Abstain from sexual immorality, abstain from worshiping idols, and abstain from eating meat with blood in it, or that had been strangled. Okay? So that was the basis of their teaching. Now let me just stop for a moment. Why do you think that was important for them to teach that? Think about the problems they've had in the past. Why do you think it was important for them to reiterate this, make sure that they got the teaching that, hey, this came from the apostles at the church in Jerusalem, Here's the final word on the subject. Why do you think it's important for them to teach these young churches these decrees? Think about it for a moment. What was happening? What led to the discussion anyhow? Okay, so it wouldn't turn away and be more susceptible to Christianity. That's good, Danny. A little bit more, I would say, is, is what kind of problem were they having? Who was coming and visiting them? Jewish Christians who were emphasizing what? The law. Judaizers is the term. What was happening is, is they had these traveling teachers who would go around, and it was part of the church back then, is you would have, you know, you would have somebody come in and you would have them get up and share. That was a normal practice back then. And what was happening, these guys would get up and say, yes, it's good that you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you must become a Jew. You must adhere to the law. Keep the festivals, be circumcised, keep the dietary. And so they would teach that and would cause confusion in the churches. So now Paul, when he's going through, he's making sure that they understand this is what the apostles said in Jerusalem. This is the scoop, okay? So he's re-emphasizing that teaching so that they could be on what? Guard against false teaching, okay? Guard against false teaching. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. There's a letter that the Galatians, letter to the Galatians, in your Bible, the Galatians, very first chapter, Paul is trying to emphasize to them that they had forgotten the simple gospel of faith and now had embraced another gospel, which is not a gospel, and that is the keeping of the law. And that those who teach that are accursed, literally to hell with them. So this is a problem that they had in that area. So he's spending some time there teaching. And so Paul, the basis of his instruction in his time was to emphasize what was attacking the church and the and the gospel at that point, we have to do the same thing today, okay? Same thing today. Now, let's go on. Their teaching resulted in the churches being strengthened and people being saved. Now look, this is the result of teaching. If you've got good teaching in the church, 
It should result in people being strengthened in their Christian lives and people being saved. Now, is it the teaching that saves people? No. I think it's a pattern here. When you see believers strengthened in their Christian life, what are they going to start doing? Sharing. And when you start sharing with others, what happens? People respond to the gospel as God works in their heart. You see what I'm saying? The issue is strengthening you so that you share with others as you go throughout life. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't have to be, here, here's a track, here's the gospel, pray a prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. A lot of times it's the simple thing like being at work and your coworker just lost a loved one to death or a coworker's got a child who's in the hospital dealing with this or a coworker, uh, a neighbor has financial difficulties and you just go and you just be who you are in Christ and maybe even, listen to me, maybe even say this, I'll pray for you. Now you say, well, that's not getting the gospel out. But listen, it takes several times of doing that to earn the right then to what? Share the gospel with them later or maybe create in their you do a, a, an interest later on. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So much of the time we, we feel like we've got to, hey, how you doing? What's your name, Sam? Uh, yeah. Hi, Sam. How you doing, Sam? You know you're going to hell. <laughs> and this is what you need to do. Just pray this prayer and you won't be going to hell. Now, Chances are, Sam, if he's really irritated with me, will pray that prayer just to get rid of me. Because once he prays that prayer, I will never do anything with Sam again. Isn't that what we do in church? Once we, quote, get them saved, we don't do anything with them anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's not the way it goes. You want to lead them to the person that you know, which is Jesus, and have an understanding of who he is and what he did for them so that they can have faith to follow him. So here's what happens. Their teaching in the churches resulted in the strengthening of those churches and people being saved. Now let's look at verses 6 through 10. We're going to talk about his vision, of Ma the vision of Macedonia. Verse 6, now, when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysa, they tried to go to Blithnia, but the Spirit would not permit them. So passing through Mysa, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and the man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after the, he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, so let's take a look here. First of all, hindered ministry. As Paul went through Phrygia and Galatia, he was forbidden to preach in Asia Minor. Now, stop for a moment. What's the Great Commission? Go into all the world... What? Making disciples. Teaching them, baptizing them. The things that I've taught you, Jesus told them, right? So he's got, he's got the mandate. Go preach the gospel. Well, here we see in this passage 
He's trying to go in a couple of different areas, and what happens? He's not allowed to go there. Is that kind of amazing to you? Because the next point tells us this, the Holy Spirit did not allow him to proclaim the gospel in that area. Okay, let's stop for a moment. Think about this with me for a moment. Does the Holy Spirit keep us from doing things? We think that we're supposed to do it. We're doing it for the gospel. We're doing it for the kingdom. Does he keep us from doing things? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it may not be God's will to move into an area because he's got something else in mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, it could be timing or it could be something else. In this instance, we're going to see that it's something else. He doesn't want him to stay in Asia Minor. I, I, let me explain to you what's going on here. Look at your study sheet. You'll see a map there. Okay? They wanted to go to Blithnia. Do you notice now, look on the map there, that's modern-day Turkey. Blithnia is an area, it's a province. Notice where it is. North. It's north of Turkey, up near the Caspian. I think that's the, I think that's the Black Sea. Okay, It's near the Black Sea. That's a really... That, that's north, so he wants to go there. He's hindered from going there. He wants to go to Phrygia, which is that area right below that. He's not allowed to go there. Okay? So they end up in Mesa, near Troas. That's where he has this vision of Macedonia. Now, where's Macedonia? That's over in Greece. What we know of is Greece. Okay? So the Spirit doesn't want him to go north. The Spirit wants him to go what? West. Okay? The Spirit wants him to go west. Now, when Paul tried to go to Blithynia, the Holy Spirit did not allow him to go there. No, I don't want you going there. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Do you think there are thousands of people in Blithynia that need to hear Jesus is, that Jesus is the Savior? Yeah. But the Spirit doesn't let him go there. Yeah, sometimes I need you to understand the issue isn't the need. The issue is what does God want you to do? All right, that's the issue. All right, let's go on. So because of being hindered by the Holy Spirit, Paul and his companions went to Troas, which is on that eastern, on that western coast of Asia Minor. Okay? Now, while in Troas, Paul has a vision where a man pleaded with him to come to Macedonia. Now, what I want you to see is here in the early church, sometimes God communicated to them, not just through visions, not, not, not just through uh, uh, a, an appearance or whatever, not just through the Word of God, but also through, like in this instance, a dream. He has a dream here of a man from Macedonia telling him to come over. Now, because he had the vision, Paul was determined to go to Macedonia. Because he had the vision, Paul was determined to go to Macedonia. Now let me just stop for a moment. Why would he come to that conclusion? Well, he's already been hindered 
by the Holy Spirit from going where? North to Blithnia, to Phrygia. He's already been hindered from going there. So he's wanting to know, do you think it's been in his mind, where do I go next? So he has this vision of Macedonia, from this man from Macedonia. So he's concluding this is what God wants him to do. So he believed the vision was a call from the Lord to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Now, notice with me, we're going to finish up here with these last five verses, verses 11 through 15, and we're going to talk about Philippi. He comes to Philippi. All right? Look with me. Therefore, sailing from Troas, they went a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city in that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us, who is a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, the journey. Paul and his companions journeyed through several cities before arriving in Philippi. So we see they go through several cities before arriving in Philippi. Now, Luke describes Philippi as the foremost city of the district and a Roman colony. Okay? Foremost city of the district and a Roman colony. Let me just stop. I'll give you a little bit of piece of trivia here. Philippi was known for having a school of medicine which was connected to a guild or a union of physicians in the area. Now, does anybody remember what Luke was? What was Luke's? He's what? Yeah, he was a doctor. And it is believed by some scholars that the reason why Luke calls it the foremost city is because he was from Philippi. Okay? So it would be like meeting somebody from Clearfield County, and you say, oh, where are you from? I'm from Kerwinsville, the foremost town in Clearfield County. Well, if you talk to people in Kerwinsville, they think that. Now, people from Clearfield think, oh, come on, seriously. But if you talk to them, they do. You know what I'm saying? They think we're, we think we're it. In fact, we are in the, if you look at a map, we're in the dead center of the county. All of Clearfield County revolves around Kerbinsville, don't you know that? Okay? We'll talk. That's not Bible. You can throw that one out. Okay? That's not Bible. All right? But I just want you to understand why Paul is, why Luke, when he writes this, is making that statement. So he indicated that they stayed there a few days with Paul and his companions. Now, here's what their custom was. Remember what their custom was whenever they would go to a town. Where was the first place they would go to? Synagogue. Now, if the town didn't have a synagogue, where would they go then? Usually where the Jews would gather for prayer, and here it happens to be by the river. Now, And they would find a group of women praying by the river. Now, why would the women be at the river? You said it, Brad. Doing laundry. Doing laundry. 
look, if you travel around the world to places that are non-Western countries in the two-thirds world, and if you go down by the river, one of the things you'll see happening at the river is washing. They're always washing clothes there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And that's where the ladies of the area would gather. They would get their water, and they would also what? Wash. Okay? Wash. So they gathered where these ladies were, obviously washing and having a prayer meeting. So on the Sabbath, they went to the river where the women were gathered for prayer. Now this is due to the fact that Philippi did not have a synagogue. Philippi didn't have a synagogue. Now among those who listened to Paul and his companions was a woman named Lydia. Now it says that she was a seller of purple. What do you think that means? Uh, it's not dye. Yeah, cloth. She was a seller of purple cloth. Purple cloth was a very significant, expensive thing in that culture. Okay? Wearing purple was a sign of status. Okay, for those of you wearing purple here today, you've got some high-class status in their culture. Okay? All right? For now, you're just one of everybody else. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to see. Lydia was a seller of purple who was from the city of Thyatira. So she was from another Macedonian city known as Thyatira. Actually, it was, from the, it was a city in Asia Minor. So she was from Asia Minor. Lydia was from Asia Minor. And she was living in Macedonia. Now, Lydia was a Gentile who was described as one who worshipped God. So she was a God-fearer. All right? She was a God-fearer. Now, here's an interesting thing I want you to hear, and this should help you when you're talking about talking about Jesus with other people who don't know the Lord. The Lord opened her heart to respond to the things Paul was teaching. All right, stop for a moment. What can we learn from that? What's that, Rhonda? You can believe in God and not understand the gospel, but here, here she was a God-fearer, and when she heard the gospel, who helped her to understand? God. He opened her heart. All right, so how, does that, how do we bring that to us today? How many of you share with people who don't accept the gospel, who are not saved because they believe in the gospel? How many of you share with people all the time? You have people you know like that, right? You want them to get saved, right? Okay. So what does, this, what does this passage help us here with? I think one thing is when we pray for them, I already shared with you before, who blinds their eyes? Satan. From the truth. One way to pray for them is God, open their what? Hearts. Open their eyes, open their hearts. To understand. Here we see God opened her heart to understand, and she got saved. You understand? So Evangelism isn't just a process of going and talking. It's also a process of what? Prayer. Praying for someone. God, open their hearts to understand. Open their hearts to understand. Now, so after Lydia and her family believed and were baptized, she invited Paul to stay with her. She invited Paul to stay with her. 
Okay, so next week, we're going to look at what happens. This is only just part of the story in Philippi. It gets really interesting next week where we hear about the Philippian jailer and everything that goes on there, okay?